the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Retirement. In this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good afternoon, everybody, and it's a cold one. <laughs> Welcome to Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland in January. So much for global warming here. Anyway, let's start out thinking positively. I never lose. I either win or I learn. That's from Nelson Mandela. And uh, I read a book about him uh, a while back. And boy, that guy went through everything and uh, still came out smiling, which is, you know, when you think about it, the way you should live your life. The policy of being too cautious is the greatest risk of all. And that's Nehru. And then the meek may one day inherit the earth, but not the headlines. And then uh, I can't remember who said this, but better to die standing than to live on your knees. Uh, and I absolutely agree. And uh, we'll just leave it at that. Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> look, I, I apologize for having, uh, I had several people call in and, and said some very nice things and I appreciate it. I, I've, I've been off the air for a couple of weeks. I had my knee replaced. Uh, a lot of people have gone through that. Uh, it's a pain in the knee. Um, you know, I, I, my doctor was a good one. He pushed me off and pushed me off and pushed me off. And finally he said, okay. Uh, but I've been living without an ACL and an MCL for a, a pretty long time. And, uh, you know, so it's done, it's over and we're back, uh, back going at it. So, uh, I would also like to recommend that you go to WHK1420, go to local podcast and down to the Smart Investor Show, because if you, you go directly to my, my webpage there, and remember, uh, we you know, once again, it's the beginning of the year, start a wealth plan. You know, you don't have to be a client to do a wealth plan. I've got, I've got 18 people now that are not clients that have done a wealth plan. Now, some of them are considering becoming a wealth, uh, you know, uh, on board, but I think you know, a couple occasions uh, the, the wealth plan kind of popped a bubble a little bit. You know, they were thinking that everything was going to be all right, and you know, you got to pass the bad news off with the good news sometimes. So, uh, but whatever. But if you go, uh, insight is the top banner, and if you hit that, it uh, it brings you lo- regular information from RBC, and it changes week by week. All right. Also, there's the bulletin board, which has uh, Rob Schleimer's information. Rob is our head technician and a good one, a darn good one, as a matter of fact. And his is the the uh, trend in the cycle. Uh, and, and there's a, also a weekly newsletter. But you can also sign up for our dividend growth portfolio or prime income list. A lot of people I mentioned our data center uh, portfolio in the last couple of weeks. That's the same recommendation from uh, this summer. So it's still prevalent. Some of these things have really moved, but uh, I kind of think that this is a year where you want to take a look at the small caps 
I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But uh, anyway, we'll go from there. Um, so, where are we? Well, uh, I was listening to Lori Calvacina this week, and Lori's she's starting to get a lot of TV time, which is good because she's uh, one of the better strategists out there. And she had, you know, a bunch of points, her 10 top things for the next year. And I, I thought they'd be a good thing to review here. And she's very constructive on the next 12-month view. Um, she has a price target of around 5150 uh, She said the sentiment right now is set up for the stock. You know, it, it's deteriorated a little bit. You know, everybody was negative, and, and now everybody's positive. And that's not what we like. All right. Uh, as you know, I, I like when things are negative. Uh, valuations can probably stay higher than many investors out there realize. You know, higher for longer doesn't just go with interest rates. And, you know, she thinks that, you know, based on what her, you know, bottoms up type uh, forecast is, is that the outlook is good enough to justify another year gains. But the other, you know, there, that's the good news. The bad news, it kind of, it, it, it restrains enthusiasm for 2024. And we talked about what Rob Schleimer said, and we're going to review that again one more time uh, this week. All right. So that, that's something to think about. And then, you know, finally, uh, there, there's a couple other um, names. That, uh, well, I'm not going to go into that, but uh, the greater appeal of bonds seems to be kind of a dampener, uh, dampener on uh, U.S. equity returns this year. It probably won't derail them, but it's, it's a, a dampener, you know, uh, and that's something you got to keep in the back of your mind. It, now, the other thing is, you know, we have a presidential election. That's a big secret. Huh? Uh, so that also adds uncertainty. So I think, you know, presidential elections often follow a similar pattern. And that's what Rob Schleimer has been talking about. Uh, second, one notable exception, obviously, is the year 2000, when things got kind of crazy. Third, we've been emphasizing uh, to non-U.S. investors in particular that circumstances around this election are unprecedented. This year, 50% of the world is going to vote for a leader. 50% of the year, the world, all right? So fourth, in December, we continue to find the U.S. election was of uh, a, a lot. What Lori saw was a, a lot of questions on that to from foreign investors. So it probably keep foreign money at bay, shall we say. And uh, also the sluggish U.S. economy that many investors expect, uh, you know, 2020, 24, 25, uh, probably be a headwind to performance, but this headwind has dissipated a bit. So we'll see what happens from here. And the, you know, the other thing is, is there's new rules out there for post COVID that are emerging. And I think, you know, you got to keep that in mind. And I think deglobalization is one of them. The other is higher inflation. Uh, heightened geopolitical angst, interest rates, tighter labor markets, and, and less bargaining power for employees continue to top the list. Also, one of the things we forgot about that I think is coming back to life is the digitalization of the world. Remember, we said on this show, uh, and I think it came from uh, one of our analysts who, who is no longer with us, he said that the, the COVID would increase the digital the digitalization of the world by about five to 10 years. And I'm starting to see more of that happen, especially with AI. Uh, 
And, you know, growth still looks ripe for some some type of tactical correction. But economic forecasts, uh, you know, they need to improve for a lasting lift in the value group, okay? So that's something to keep in the back of your head. But now, you know, we've been talking about small caps for a while now, and they finished up the year. I mean, the IWM was up, uh, that's the Russell 2000, was up 23.5% in the last two months. And uh, the the Dow Jones small cap index was up 23.7. So these were big moves, all right? And they finished up the year 18, 19%. So we've been right, all right? But, but uh, there's a lot of people coming on CNBC starting to talk about it. You know, so you got to be kind of careful there. Um, the other thing I want to mention is I think we're going to have Marshfield back in May. Again, uh, you know, they do a good job. If um, they, they now take $250,000, but uh, that's something that if you don't, if you're not participating with them, you probably should. Uh, d- during 2020 and 22, when the market was down, they were up. Okay, so they've only had one year of double digits down, and that was uh, very manageable. And the rest of the time, it's been low, low single digits. So somebody take in mind. So if you'd like more information on Marchfield, give us a call. Now, uh, you know, people, I, I had several questions uh, this last week, uh, and, and these were people calling in to find out why my show kept recording <laughs> over and over uh, about automobiles. You know, and look, the valuations are broadly attractive across the space with stocks. They've lagged the S&P 500, but many sitting at trough multiples. So, you know, we see a lot of upside for the nine companies that we that we like. But um, I think affordability and pricing are the key areas of debate for global autos in 2024. Rates have begun to plateau at higher levels, so that's good. But the price mix is a cumulative 25 to 45% for the traditional OEMs. So we think there could be a correction, in, and we, we're cautious that the consensus on the price mix is is important. You know, And uh, demand has been strong to date. Inflation is moderated, obviously, and unemployment remains at historic low levels. And the auto price mix is held, which is good. However, inventories are creeping up on some of the OEMs, especially in electric car vehicles area. Uh, so as consensus is modeling robust growth over markets for suppliers, but there could be some upside production forecasts, and that's something that you got to keep in mind. That means, you know, they're not going to get full manufacturers just a retail price. But beyond consumer demand and the impact of pricing, uh, RBC remained focused on key themes, um, and that is electric vehicle penetration, which I don't think got a big vote of uh, confidence because uh, in Chicago and Cleveland, um, a lot of the uh, charging stations aren't working as well as they should uh, because of the weather. Uh, you know, unfortunately, with electric vehicles, when you when you have a colder weather, you get less mileage out of the car. Um, so that's something, and you know, they they still expect it to grow. You know, it's like eighteen percent. But it's down from 33% growth. Um, and the other thing is these companies still need money, so that's a problem. So uh, commodities in that area have broadly stabilized after a period of you know the raw materials being elevated. Uh, 
so we'll see what happens going forward, okay? Now, I also think, you know, when yields are up, we said this in the fall, you know, we had the 10-year yield going to 5%, and I said this would be a good time to extend your maturities a little bit. We're now at, you know, 4.114 or something like that. Uh, but what hasn't moved are the dividend growth stocks or the prime income list. So yields are up, folks. This is a chance to lock in higher yields. And I, uh, you know, go to WHK's webpage once again to local podcast down to Smart Investor Show and, you know, get the dividend growth portfolio and the prime income list. But there's all sorts of, you know, contact me, email me here, there, that type of thing. I think it's a great time, great time to be involved there. All right. Now, I have been talking about chips since the first week of October. Uh, I talked about, uh, you know, what we saw was, you know, basically, um, oh, actually, I think it was the first week of November. We talked about, the, you know, what the, the wide-scale disruption of global semiconductor supply chain during the COVID. Uh, many governments are focused on chip security, proposing, you know, bold new incentives to manufacture critical technology closer to home as a hedge against, you know, a, an over-reliance on foreign suppliers. We're doing it. And I think the, the reshoring strategy, which proprietizes uh, supply chain resilience over cost efficiencies, should bolster national security here in America, big time. And once these challenges are overcome, the industry should benefit. Now, the problem is, ships were up 3% last week. Since I first started talking about that semiconductor, index is broken out. Okay, so you gotta <laughs> you gotta think properly here. They were down then, they're up now. Okay, so you I think you'd be gotta be a little more cautious as to when you enter the group, okay? Um and, and by the way, people ask me about data centers. Well, I mean there's a lot of names on that list that, you know, have gone crazy. Uh super well, I, I won't even mention it, but there's one was up ten percent Friday. Okay, so uh, you got to look into those reports and start to pay closer attention. Uh, but the data center area, uh, you know, that that report's going to hold up for a pretty long time. So I, I think it was back uh, in June that they published it, and we started talking about it back then. And they've made a significant move uh, since then. So it's a situation where uh, now you got to start to be a little bit more smarter uh, as far as you know where you buy things. Okay. Small caps are up 24%. I mean, for the year, they're up 18 So, you know, we were wrong in the, the, the spring, but we're right now. <laughs> now, the question is, will they continue? Well, look, I, I think uh, small cap stocks are very interest rate sensitive. So what we had was a move from 3.2% on the, on the 10-year treasury to 5%, back to 3.9%. So that's where the move came. Now, we've moved back up to 4.1, okay? So we were oversold on the yield index. Now, we're going to bounce a little bit, and we'll see what happens going forward. But it, there are a lot of people out there talking small cap, if you listen to uh, um, CNBC so uh, you, or Fox, too. They were talking about it on Fox the other day. So I think what you got to do is just you know, pick your point. And so if interest rates creep back up and, and small caps come back down, people start to hate them again. You know, that's when you want to pay attention. Okay. Uh, I ended up uh, being up for the year quite nicely on, on my small cap calls and, um, and also a few other names. But 
I think it's important that you've got to understand that everybody loves him now. Okay. And, and I think that's what Lori's, uh, Lori worries about. She, you know, I guess her two big, big worries were, you know, back when she started getting really bullish back in October. And that, by the way, that was when Rob Schleimer's uh, quadrant balance indicator was, was at like minus 10. Uh, people weren't interested in the market. Nobody was talking about it. You know, uh, people were all talking about bonds at 5%. That's when markets rally, folks. Okay. But now the bull, if you look at the bull bear uh, scenario, uh, bulls and bears are uh, now kind of taken over. And uh, the AAII, that's American Association of Individual Investors, spread is a pretty low level. So it's not a time to, to be, be jumping all over things. Okay. So what you want to do is wait for things to come back to you. All right. And we'll just leave it at that. But uh, those, you know, that, that data center, if you haven't got it, the same one from the summer, I think it's still prevalent because AI is, is not going away. And, uh, you know, it's funny because uh, we were talking um, about uh, AI just the other day and, uh, you know, people don't know what a plug-in is. They don't know what a co-pilot is. Uh, they don't know what prompts are or uh, multimodal models or uh, responsible AI or hallucinations. Uh, there's generative AI, there's large language models, you know, the machine learning, you know, so you got to know all this stuff before you, you know, if you don't know it, you shouldn't be participating in my humble opinion. But uh, there we go. Now, I guess the question is, can small caps equities go the distance? And, you know, we had a huge, huge rally. So you just got to be a little bit more concerned that they're still on a valuation level are still way cheaper than large caps. The problem is everybody thinks that way now. So, um, but the money poured into the, the Russell 6,000 and Russell 2,000. So just keep that in the back of your mind. Uh, and they do have some winning attributes. They look very attractive on valuations. They they're typically do well during Fed easing cycles, and their balance sheets and funding issues seem to be better than feared. And, you know, the, the portfolio diversification benefits go beyond their size. So we'll leave it at that. Let's take a break. All right. Uh, we'll be right back. This is Smart Investor Show. Stay tuned. Everyone wants to know what's going to change. What can we expect in the future? Heck, I want to know too. But in plumbing, the important stuff is what's not going to change. People are always going to want their call answered by a real human who can help them. And they're always going to want an honest, do-it-right plumber to fix the problem wallakadoodle style. And they're always going to want that to happen today, not tomorrow. So at Wyatt Works... That's what we focus on. That's why we're introducing same-day water heater replacement. Because let's face it, no one wants to take a cold shower the morning after they discover a broken water heater. Well, maybe some health nut who likes cold plunging. But most of us want that hot water. So when you call Wireworks for a broken water heater, we'll get your replacement installed and installed right that same day. We'll even wallakadoodle it by taking away your old one 
and clean it up like we've never been there. Just call Wyatt Works and consider it done. There are two radio stations in this city that aren't like any others. One gives you the real news and issues and honest analysis from some of the best talkers in America. The other gives you music and entertainment that's safe for the whole family. Something you and your kids can actually listen to together. Oh yeah, we're different, all right. For real news and information, turn to AM 1420, The Answer. And for entertainment, safe for the whole family, turn to 95.5, The Fish. Because different is good. At RBC Wealth Management, we are proud of our reputation for putting clients' interests first. Our steadfast commitment to helping clients achieve their financial goals includes giving back to the communities we serve. Through supporting youth education, human services, and the arts, we hope to make tomorrow better for everyone. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. <laughs> the monkeys. I haven't heard them in a long time. You know, um, I, I had two questions uh, this week. They were emailed to me, so I thought I'd bring them up. And it was kind of interesting because uh, last week, you know, our global insight uh, thing, we talked about the downside of up. And, you know, global bonds are coming off one of their best performances in decades last quarter. And, you know, at 5%, Look, we we said we went from three point two two percent to five percent, and we said that's that's we've gone too far, okay? And then we went all, all the way back to three point nine percent, and I would say that's kind of a parabolic move up and a parabolic move down. So, look, when you have a move like that, uh, it's not going to go on forever, okay? So we pulled back, uh, but bonds had a first positive quarter, and I think they finished the year flat to up a little bit. So, uh, I mean, the rally, seemingly everything caught most investors off guard, particularly in fixed income products. And, you know, the U.S. 10-year Treasury peaked at 5% on October 19th. And, you know, bingo, down to 3.9. Now, it's 4.14. You know, so it's not going to go straight down. It's going to go rally back up. And, uh, you know, does it go back down to the, the levels we saw before? I don't think so. But, you know, I, I think we're going to, you know, bounce in an area for a pretty long time. But, uh, you know, globally, the 10-year Bund, which is the German bond, ascended to a decade-high yield of, of nearly 3% in October, dropped all the way back to 2%. So it, it was it was a great quarter for everybody in the bond market. And uh, the question is, has, has it been overdone? Well, I would imagine that you know when you get when you go from three point two percent to five percent back to three point nine percent on the ten year, there's bound to be a bounce. Okay, but look, the other thing I want to talk about because uh, Carl called me on this one and uh, he's been listening to my show for a pretty long time. And and uh, by the way, thanks, Carl, because I was going to talk about this. But there's the January barometer, and I think everybody's got to remember that as goes January goes the year. And you know, people said, well. Sure. Okay. Now, it's been wrong, really wrong, 12 times since, you know, people started really following this, which was back in the 1940s. But 73% of the time, it's right. Okay. So right now, we're up about three and a half, four 4% for the month, which isn't bad. Uh, 
you know, and we broke out to a new high on the S&P 500 Friday. Look, the most bullish thing anything can do, whether it's a stock, a commodity, uh, a, a market, is go up. So for all, all the bears out there, we hit a new high. We hit a new high back of the Dow Jones a month ago, okay? The NASDAQ is, is hitting a new high. So, you know, just got to remember that uh, there's been 12 times when this has been really wrong, but 73% of the time it's been really right. The last time was, by the way, in most of our memories, was 2022. Uh, so just keep that in mind. But, it, it, you know, it's, it's amazing how many people have bought puts. So we'll see if they're right or not. But, um, uh, you know, I, I think it's the January barometer is a, is a key indicator of what's going on. So, uh, you know, a lot of people have been talking about bank stocks. Uh, you know, we've been talking about it. Uh, and and uh, Jerry Cassidy is a really bright guy. OK, so. You know, he's our analyst, by the way. Um, and, but, you know, look, you had a lot of disruptions caused by the failures of, of uh, First Federal and and uh, Silicon Valley, et cetera, Signature. And, and you know, I, I, the investors will probably focus on the fourth quarter and look at the earnings per share and the business trends that will likely drive modest loan growth, normalizing credit costs, deposit betas, non-interest bearing deposits, that type of thing, account balances, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so, you know, the question is, how do we do it? Uh, the we expect median EPS to decrease by 9.5 percent in from the third quarter, about 18 18 percent from fourth quarter of 2022. So we expect lower net interest margins and all that good stuff. Um, and and the, the bank stocks have underperformed for most of 2022 relative to the broader market. Now, I think financials will outperform, but I don't think. Uh, that's Tim talking here, nobody else. But, uh, you know, the, the question is, what type of financial? All right. And that, that's the key, I guess. Uh, and I, I know, I think I know, but, uh, you know, that's for you to find out. Loan growth, you know, we expect to be modest. I mean, less than a percentage point, like 0.8 percent point, you know, so net interest margin, you know, we just see decreasing by about 24 basis points. So, what should you do with bank stocks? And though we, you know, we expect some headwinds, and, and we believe valuation levels discount the trends that we're just talking about and make the group attractive on an absolute and relative basis. Uh, now, you're talking to a, a, a guy who who is pretty negative. Uh, you know, Jerry was pretty negative on Silicon Valley Bank Corp. Well, I shouldn't say extremely neutral. <laughs> on, on Silicon Valley Bank Corp in the 400s, okay? So uh, there we go. The other area is biotech, you know, and, that, and everybody hates biotech, but that's that's good. But uh, look, I, I, I think there's 10 things you got to look at in the biotech world. Uh, the, the mood appears more upbeat. I think the key is the continuing momentum. Uh, M&A enthusiasm likely will facilitate a better pull-through after some positive catalysts. And uh you know, we've had some sizable deals go on, and I think that's important. And matter of fact, there's been four or five stocks that have just gone vertical. Uh, now, I had one of them. I didn't have enough of it, unfortunately. Um, actually, I had two of them, um, you know, where these things just went vertical, um, Solano and, and, and Imogen. 
Uh, I wouldn't buy them now, but, uh, you know, Imogen's take over and take it from there. But I think the, the, there's still plenty of, of space to pivot in immune, immunology. And that, that I think, is going to be the big area. Um, small caps are pairing back. It's hard to build the next Genentech, obviously. Uh, and I think it'll probably be a, a big problem. And I think this uh, Inflation Reduction Act is impacting small molecule development because they're not letting them have pricing power at all. Uh, so I, I think you, you'll see a more of a move into oncology and immunology, um, and that, that could be a, you know, a, a bit of a problem for the people that are in that field now. And the FDA uh, has been fairly flexible providing tailwinds for some regulatory discussions, and I think that's very important. Uh, the FDA holds all the cards most of the time. So, you know, large caps are, are gearing up for another earnings growth inflection uh, point later in the decade, and there's some really interesting things out there on that. And there seems to be no retraction from the earlier year price increases. As a matter of fact, most of the, the names increased prices last week, so they didn't pull back at all. And that's uh, a lot of people thought the Biden administration would beat them up. So we'll see what happens. And I think. The GLPs, GLP-1s, if you don't know what that is, that is the uh, sector for weight loss. And uh, there's two big companies that are, you know, really doing good stuff with those weight loss drugs. The problem with weight loss drugs is you lose muscle, too. And what they're working on is uh, products without the muscle loss. So uh, those could be big, big winners. And I, I think the other thing here, the last thing I would say about biotechs is that Many of the clinical catalysts anticipated this year next could, could attract more interest to the sector. And that's, you know, pretty important, I think. You know, it's uh, almost very, very important. So we'll leave it at that. So uh, take, it, take it from there. Um, anyway, uh, going further. So we talked about chips. We talked about uh, some, uh, quite a few other things I think are really interesting, but I, I, I just, uh, you know, I caution everybody out there, the quadrant balance momentum indicator, which is, I found one of the better indicators. I've been watching it for some time. That's why I quit talking about a certain other indicator. Uh, and the AAII sentiment are pretty extended positively. All right. Doesn't mean it's the end of the world or anything like that. It just means that, um, you know, there's a chance that we could pull back on those. So I just think you got to be a little bit more cautious in the way you buy things. I mean, semiconductors as a group was up 3% last week. You know how big a move that is? That's huge, guys, guys and gals. All right, so, uh, you know, you just got to be a little bit more, put a little bit more thought into where we're going from here, okay? And I, I just think it's very important. Now, everybody's talking about those now, but nobody's talking about dividend growth stocks. Hmm. You know, I tell you, if, if, we made a, if we made a commitment to, look, back when Lori Calvacina started talking about small caps and we had a, a bit of a problem with small caps, they still finished up. Now, not all of them did. It was, it was a small amount, but uh, if, if they extend it, we widen it out. There's a lot of cheap small caps out there. Um, and... And I think what you want to look for, in my humble opinion, is positive cash flow yield. If you find that, 
they're in really good shape. I have five or six that I really, really like, uh, and we'll leave it from there. But let's take a break, and we'll come back, and we'll talk a little bit about uh, Rob Schleimer's work further. All right? So stay tuned. It's my show. Everyone wants to know what's going to change. What can we expect in the future? Heck, I want to know too. But in plumbing, the important stuff is what's not going to change. People are always going to want their call answered by a real human who can help them. And they're always going to want an honest, do-it-right plumber to fix the problem wallacadoodle style. And they're always going to want that to happen today, not tomorrow. So at Wyatt Works, that's what we focus on. That's why we're introducing same-day water heater replacement. Because let's face it, no one wants to take a cold shower the morning after they discover a broken water heater. Well, maybe some health nut who likes cold plunging. But most of us want that hot water. So when you call Wireworks for a broken water heater, we'll get your replacement installed and installed right that same day. We'll even wallacadoodle it by taking away your old one and clean it up like we've never been there. Just call Wireworks and consider it done. A message from the National Police Association. It used to be that any able-bodied person would offer to assist a police officer in danger. Now, passers-by are more likely to take a video. There's a better use for your phone when an officer's in trouble. Call 911. Tell the operator where you are and what you see. Then, start your video to provide evidence later. To learn more about how you can assist law enforcement, visit nationalpolice.org. That's nationalpolice.org. When it comes to managing your retirement, it's easy to get lost. Look to RBC Wealth Management to guide you. Our experienced, knowledgeable financial advisors will build your investment strategy by designing a plan that's tailored to your unique financial needs. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC. Member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. Visit rbcwealthmanagement.com. in here. <laughs> anyway, um, so I, I was listening to uh, Rob Schleimer this week, and Rob's our head technician and a very good one at that. And a couple of things that he mentioned I thought were kind of interesting. You know, large cap growth uh, versus value remains in an uptrend. So, the, you know, the Magnificent Seven, as everyone's calling them, are still going up. Uh, however, it, it, you know, the uptrends remain intact for most of these growth stocks, but few are timely. Uh, beyond, uh, you know, there, there's a few short-term oversold trading bounces, but, you know, they're up a lot, all right? Uh, so you want to be a little bit more careful. The one thing, everybody's talking about bonds, which is great, uh, but I would suggest that if you look at bonds versus stock or stocks versus bonds on a relative strength basis, stocks are still the place to be. Uh, so we'll just keep it to that. Now, the one thing I got to emphasize with Rob's work is this quadrant balance oscillator. And it, it equals the, the percent of stocks with positive weekly momentum. And it's it's at near 94%. So uh, 100 is as high as it goes. <laughs> so uh, there's a lot of stocks with momentum. 
And it's it's in the S and P five hundred though. Okay, there's a lot of stocks. The the micro caps have uh, very little momentum. The micro the min, the uh, small caps and the uh, mid caps uh, look good also. So we just leave it that. But the other thing he talks about is the daily momentum uh, is diverging to the downside. Um, it's coming becoming more oversold though, uh, which is positive. Uh, you know, the quadrant balance weekly oscillator is a weekly thing. So you know, we're we're getting that into that time the time frame thing again, where you know the week the daily is getting oversold, the weekly is still overbought. So we'll just see what happens going from here. But like I said earlier, the most positive thing a stock or bond or a or a commodity can do or any other you know asset is go up in price. And the S&P 500 hit a new high last week, okay? That's the most bullish thing you can think of. Uh, now, the, the Dow Jones did it earlier in the year, and the QQQs have done it too. So, you know, you get daily momentum re- negative, uh, and that means that the S&P 500, less of the names, is not widening out like we'd like it to, okay? So maybe, the you know, we, we see the next move down. But just remember, uh, since 2000, January and February have been months where people distribute money, okay? Uh, and a lot of people take profits. So just keep that in the back of your head. Um, I don't know if that's going to be the case now. Now, if we go back to, you know, 1928, January is usually a pretty good year. So uh, long-term history says when January is a good year, obviously, as goes January, goes the goes the year. So we'll, we'll keep in mind that the market is up for the year, both the S&P, the Qs, and the, S, and the uh, Dow. So that's all good, all right? Good stuff. So keep your fingers crossed that we continue to do that. Now, the Russell, you know, go back to the weekly versus the daily. The weekly momentum looks like it's pausing, okay? Uh, so I, I think the, the key with the Russell is if we compare it on a relative basis to the S&P 100, it still hasn't broken out yet. So all these people are talking about small caps now, and uh, you know they made a huge move at the end of the year. We were pounding the table on them at basically uh, at the end of October. So the, uh, I think the key is is that uh, they've made a big move. They're probably going to adjust that move a little bit. They were very oversold though. Okay. Now the question is, will they break? Uh, you know, the the downtrend versus the the S&P 500, and, and that's the key. Now, on a daily basis, you know, I'm talking weekly, daily again, because these timeframes have changed. The momentum is is now oversold, not to terribly oversold areas, but oversold, and you could have a bounce in those small cap names going forward. We'll see. Uh, but, you know, take it from there. Now, the other thing that Rob looks at is, the percent of stocks above their 200-day moving average, and that's at 76%. And that's moderately, you know, it's building positively from a, a moderately oversold area. Let's put it that way. And the percent of stocks over 50% or over their 50-day moving average is starting to peak. And that's consistent with a, a tactical, tactical quarter, you know, first quarter pullback, which we think will probably happen after this month. So uh, keep that in mind. Now, the other thing I think we got to talk about is, hey, folks, the AAIA bullish and bearish sentiment, uh, the, the bulls are out there again, okay? 
Usually, uh, you know, we're not at the, the level where you, you got to worry like at 66, 70 percent like we were in, in the 2000s, you know, but we're, we're up there at 49 percent. We, you know, look, 49 percent can stay there for a while. Uh, the bears are right at 20. So, you know, we need what, what you want is, you know, <laughs> get people less bearish, uh, less bullish, I mean, you know. The best thing that can happen is the market to go up and everybody worry about the next day. Okay? The market goes up on a wall of worry. It's that simple. And as long as we have that wall of worry, we're in great shape. And there's plenty to worry about right now. Okay? You got a presidential election. You got, uh, you got stuff happening in the, uh, in the world. You know, we got all sorts of conflicts everywhere. Uh, you know, oil went to 140 and now it's, you know, holding 70 just barely. You know, there's all sorts of reasons to, to be upset. Okay. The more upset you are, the better it is. The wall of worry is what keeps the stock market going. All right. So keep it, keep that in mind. Now, I would suggest that uh, there's some things that I'd, I'd be thinking about, and, and I talk about this fairly regularly, but, you know, you buy yield when it's up. The yield is up on dividend growth and stocks and also just dividend stocks in general. Now's the time you want to be buying dividends. Now, one of, there was one name that I, I kind of talked about, but I didn't say the name of. Uh, it's gone from 130 to 170 during that period of time. And um, so I think you're going to see a lot more of that go, you know, when we go, as we go forward. And I, I think people are a little bit too bearish on, on the dividend stocks because the dividend stocks uh, didn't do well because the Fed raised interest rates, okay? But they are cheap, man. They are really cheap uh, as far as, you know, being uh, based on a uh, um, statistical basis. They're they're just cheap. And, uh, you know, that's that's something that a lot of people – you know, I, I think they don't get in that um, what what you what the technicians are doing and and the guys who who are looking at these things they they look at stocks that are deeply oversold and um, I've had a lot of questions about healthcare it's still in last place <laughs> uh, the chart's starting to look interesting but it's still in last pace and, and until it turns up we we don't want it but you know when rates go up these dividend stocks go up uh, go down and uh, you know, I, I think you've got to understand that, you know, if you look at these companies, some of the tried and true companies of all time, boring stocks that just keep going up, you know. And, uh, you know, a couple of them have really gone up big. And I know several of them broke out this week. Uh, I, I wrote them down. So I know that's that's important. And, you know, I, I thought it was kind of interesting that uh, we had one, two three of the stocks on this list break out to new highs this week. And uh, so we're starting to see more and more people pay closer attention to dividend growth. All right. And I think uh, that's a good place to, to uh, spend your time. Uh, so that list is available to everyone. And, and it's, um, it's something that's, you know, like I, like I said, you know, with chips for uh, talking about chips for three months, you know, semiconductors and, and software. Now software has made a pretty big move too. Chips have made a, a bigger move, but I just think you know p- people aren't talking about dividend stocks right now. 
listen to CNBC, listen to Fox. I don't hear anybody talking about dividend stocks. And that's that's when you want to start to pay attention to them. So the dividend growth portfolio and the prime income list are probably a pretty good idea. Also, hey, we're starting a new year. Why don't you get organized? Get a family inventory workbook, um, you know, and just put it together, even if you don't send it to me. So I have it on file for you, you know, just so you have it in your safety deposit box or with all your things. It's just putting everything together, you know, organizing yourself, getting ready for the future. All right. And by the way, I've had more people uh, very, very happy with the family inventory workbook than probably anything that we've talked about on this show over the last 25 years. They've, they've really enjoyed the fact that they've put everything on paper. Uh, you know, I, I told you that there was uh, a gentleman, a Marine, who had six insurance companies, right? And he didn't have them put together at all. All the policies were in different places. So he wrote them all down, and, and the guy died, which was terrible. Uh, but his, his wife was very, very happy that she knew where all – because she didn't know any about it, any of this stuff. All right. So I highly recommend it. It's, it's something that, uh, you know, you hate to talk about stuff like that, but you got to talk about it. And, uh, you know, I think it's a, <laughs> well, let's put it this way. I, I don't know of anybody that's done it, done the process. And it doesn't, you know, it's not something you do overnight. It takes a while um, that, that didn't like it, you know, take it from there. So anyway, I, I think what Rob, Rob Schleimer is saying right now is that said, uh, all the leaders are up, um, and you know you want to whoa for a second, just take back. And he, he's, he's also he's he thinks some of the healthcare stocks have established cyclical lows, and he had some names that I really like. All, all three of them I really like. I own all three of them, as a matter of fact. Um, but he also was talking about the semis and how fast they moved. When when the semis are up three percent in a week you should be pulling back a little bit, okay? So, or, well, let's just say, don't be buying at the market. <laughs> All right, wait for them to come back to you. And I think that's the important thing. Uh, there's too many people right now that are talking small caps to outperform large caps. All right, got to wait, wait for that to go away too. So we'll see what happens going forward. It sounds like we need to take a break. This is a Smart Investor Show. Stay tuned. <laughs> tell you about one of my favorite new podcasts on the Salem Podcast Network, The Situation Report. You're going to want to check out this new show and subscribe. So many people out there are living in a state of depression, hearing about what's happening in our culture on the news, not knowing what to do with the information they consume. The Situation Report tackles all of the critical issues facing our culture today, but unlike the regular news, they give you the direction you need to navigate in to take action and move forward. They provide you with the tools you need to share information and engage people in meaningful conversation. Change hearts by changing minds. Situation Report has new episodes three times a week and is available on all the major podcast platforms Platforms like Apple, Google, and Spotify, or listen at thesitrep.org. That's thesitrep.org. Make sure and subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. 
When rolling over your 401k, it's easy to get lost. Look to the experienced, knowledgeable financial advisors from RBC Wealth Management to guide you through the whole 401k rollover process. It's all part of designing a plan that's tailored to your unique investment needs. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC. Member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. Lenny's playing some funky music today. Good job. Anyway, so uh, everybody talks about the short term. Okay? And I think as an investor, that's the wrong thing to do. You know, Warren Buffett, one of the greatest investors of our time, Charlie Munger, they all talked about, they always asked them, you know, what's your, your preferred holding time? And they all said, forever. <laughs> Because, you know, when you hold a stock forever and it keeps going up, you don't pay taxes. Uh, you may pay taxes on the dividends, but uh, you don't pay taxes. Okay, so there you go. Now, so let's talk about the long term. And, and look, the S&P 500 has had generational cycles, and they last roughly 16 to 18 years. And the current 16 to 18-year cycle, in our opinion, uh, has potential to last into the mid 2030s. Right? So there's been three of these major cycles. You know, we had obviously the 29 fiasco where everybody was buying stocks with 10% down. And that lasted a little bit longer, but, you know, we had a deflationary period. Then we had reflation into the 60s. Then we had inflation. Uh, you know, Arthur Burns and the boys turned on the tap and never turned it off. And then we had disinflation. And then we had deflation again in the, in the, from 2000 to 2016, and now we're reflating again. Now, some people said, you know, why don't you just buy the S&P 500 and go from there? Well, you know, if you would have bought the S&P 500 in 1998, you wouldn't have made a dime until 2026 or 2016. So that, you know, and you would have gone through two 50% corrections during that period of time. So the S&P 500 is not always the, the right answer. So they seem to say on the TV, but it's not always the right answer. But during that period of time, you know, we've had a money manager that lost money one one year out of that from 2000 to 2016. Okay, so that's something uh, to think about also. Uh, but you know, a break below the four-year moving average would be needed to signal the uptrend is failing, and we haven't seen that yet. As a matter of fact, we got right to it and, and turned back up. So. Could the S&P rally to 14,000? We're about 4,700 right now. Well, the past two major bull markets, we had 2,300% moves. So the answer is maybe, okay? And it could go higher than that if it goes up to 2,300. Usually the 2,300 part is when things get a little bit crazy. And, uh, you know, as Alan Greenspan said, uh, uh, irrational exuberance, I believe, is the term he used. Within that 16 to 18 year cycle, we have these four year cycles and they're repetitive three to four year cycles. And they're usually driven by central bank liquidity and economic growth. Cycle lows regularly develop every three to four years, and they're often near the the red four year moving average. Okay, Uh, so 
what you know, and that four-year moving average is important. So a breakout to new highs appears likely uh, in 2024, and we've already hit that. So uh, the question is, how much higher do we go? And I I don't know the answer to that because that's something that uh, no one can tell. But I will say this, you know, that the the S and P 500, you know, one of the technical tools we use is the four-month moving average above the 13-month moving average. So that shows the trend of the market. When the four-month is above the 13, usually we're in a bull move. And uh, when the 13-month moves over the top, that's usually where, you know, you got to be careful. Uh, matter of fact, most of the time when that's occurred, especially when it's been a big, big move up um, in the in the 13-month moving average, you got to be very, very careful. But uh, another way to track the, the relationship between these two moving averages to measure the vertical difference, uh, difference between the two and plot the difference as a histogram. Um, and we found that, you know, we we got very overbought and very oversold. Now we're very overbought and we're slowly but surely. This is on a monthly basis now. OK, uh, we're we're it's fading. You know, the, the overbought conditions fading. So we'll see what happens going forward. But, you know. Remember what Rob Schleimer said during election years, the average path of the the S&P 500 since 1928 has been for January through June to be sideways to down. And then June, we go up. And then, um, you know, October is an interesting month because uh, this is something uh, I just read uh, in Lori Calvacina's thing is that if the uh, the party in, that's in you know, uh, the, the presidency at that point, uh, if the market sells off in October, they usually lose the White House. So we'll see what happens. But we usually end up with, a, with approximately about 7, 7%, 7.5% gain during those period of time. So, uh, but the first couple months are usually flat to, you know, up. So the other thing I want to mention is that the quadrant balance oscillator, one more time, is over. You know, it's it's up over eighty. It's up over ninety, actually. Uh, so you want to wait. Okay, this is a weekly momentum indicator, and it usually takes a while for it to get down. Uh, you know, back in October was a layup. We told you it was. You know, we, we were, I think we were minus ten, or at ten or zero, or whatever. It was one of the lowest readings we've seen. And usually, that's a good time to buy because everybody's negative. So, what will we do now? Okay, it's a new year, folks. Start a wealth plan. You don't have to become a client. We'll ship you out the wealth plan. We'll run it for you. You want to become a client after that? Yeah, hey, some people say, hey, you know, you're not doing me any good if, if it says I'm, I'm going to meet my objectives. Yeah, but we can also do a lot of good work here uh, as far as who to put your money with, you know, how to take it out, how to do, uh, you know, take a look at, you know, what ifs. Okay, which we can get once you become a client. Also, the family inventory workbook, I highly recommend it. Uh, let's get organized in the new year. And then don't forget, you know, dividend growth stocks and gro and dividend stocks in general are down and out. Buy yield when it's up. That's simple. In the meantime, have a great weekend. Stay warm. This is a Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Don't forget to buy low and sell high.
Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.